By the time you hear this podcast, this guy either wrote all your favorite songs or all the songs you hate. By the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. And I'm gassed up, man. I'm, I'm Ben. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you for everyone listening or watching. We are on Facebook Live once again. And uh, hopefully you can listen to this podcast later or watch it later on Facebook Live. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let it play to the end. Oh, um, that's it's. <laughs> would you hit that note? Just everything about this, like this was, this was mid two thousands power pop at its best. Yeah, <laughs> like this was just like, oh god. So I'm not. I'm gonna save all of that excitement and energy for the subject. <laughs> and no, we're not gonna do a show about Kelly Clarkson. About Kelly Clarkson. No, <clears throat> not not exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone who has been listening and downloading so far. Um, we are past 3,500 downloads. Word up, word up. And uh, so it's been 1,000 downloads since the That Thing You Do episode. Okay. What's the most popular episode still? It's still the, the Power Trios one. <laughs> Matthew. I, I still think he was spamming, man. He was spamming, though. <laughs> to, to all the people at Unique Squared, which is where he works, how y'all doing? <laughs> um, and... Uh, in there all right okay no, all right <laughs> uh so we um again thank you i was trying to pull up what our uh most downloaded episodes are oh, okay that don't seem like they were actually spammed 
Um, <laughs> He's gonna probably get another text like, "I swear to God, guys, I'm not spamming." <laughs> um, now it doesn't let me go back to the very beginning. It lets me go back a year. Okay. So we can go back to October 2016, all the way to as you hear me clicking, all the way to um, October 2017. So while that loads up, um, you can, um, if you want to tell people how they can find us, uh, you can go to our website by the time you hear this.com. Also our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, uh, both spelled with the word you. If you want to get with us on Instagram, we're at by the time you hear this on Instagram spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is the same spelling for our email address. By the time you hear this at gmail.com, where you can tell us, uh, you can give us your comments your questions, show ideas. If you're an independent artist, we will play your music and discuss it. No charge. We are anti payola. Yep. And you can listen to us, uh, on a variety of platforms, including, including, um, iTunes, AKA Apple podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Overcast, Auto Radio, Satchel Podcast Player, and Castbox, and other places where podcasts may be given away for absolutely free. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something, but I. And I uh, <laughs> All right, so looking at our total downloads, we're approaching four thousand downloads. Our most downloaded one is uh, our Power Trios episode, episode 14, Filling the Space. The second most downloaded episode is actually our Because Five about Michael Jackson songs. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. It will probably overtake the Power Trios. (laughs) Our third most downloaded episode was our last one. The Because Jackson's Five episode <laughs> is our third most downloaded. So thank you for everyone who's downloaded. I wonder if putting it on Facebook Live is helping. I think so. Um, because um, looks like four of our last six episodes are creeping up are in the top ten. OK, OK. Uh, I'll give you the top ten really quick uh, just to pass on a little bit of time. Um <laughs> Number four is our very first episode. The topics are endless. Our uh, number five is episode 54 because five, the one hit wonders 85 to 89. Nice. Maybe we should get a, the uh, next installment then. Yeah. 90 to <laughs> 94. Yeah. It'll be coming very, very soon. Uh, number six is <laughs> um, episode 57, a reasonable amount of beatings about the, <laughs> the Jackson's and American dream. Uh <laughs> what is a not a meeting? <laughs> Number seven, uh, episode two, we gonna be all right about uh, social uh, social issues and music. Still relevant. Um, we should. We I think we may should revisit, revisit that. that. Yes, yeah, still relevant, especially yeah. now. Uh, yeah. Number eight, episode nine, you only live twice about Bond themes. Number nine. Episode 21, Because Five, Songs of 2016. Okay. Which, I guess, hell, we'll be having another one of those. Yeah, very soon. soon we'll, we'll be uh, wrapping yeah. up the year there. And number 10, Episode 13, Bottled Water Problems about uh, Woodstock, Woodstock 99 <laughs> and My Fear of Music Festivals. I saw that you're going to try to get over that and go to Afropunk. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I took that post down. So <laughs> Why? 
Uh, I don't Who, know, who's, man. Who's performing at Afropunk? I know Solange. Okay. Uh, Miguel. Okay. Um, I bet some Miguel other folks. Be. I was looking at the website uh, while I was passing the time at the day job. I bet Miguel would uh, would be a good, and I bet he'd have a live band. And this is next week for you know in Atlanta they, they you know they have one in Brooklyn they have one in um, a couple of other places but we're in the A so yeah. uh, Willow Smith will also be there Willow Smith is still doing stuff yeah is she gonna go up there and 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 play whip my hair back and forth ten times and just <laughs> <laughs> uh, also uh, Danny Brown um, Someone said that once about I, a guy I knew in high school said that about Steppenwolf. They were playing a festival. He's like, just get up there and play like Born to Be Wild and Magic Carpet Ride like ten times, and then just <laughs> say good night and get off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's some people like who's Steppenwolf? Like, is that the new guy from the Justice League movie? <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of. Also, Denzel Curry. Um, Trying to see if there's anybody else at her. Tricky. Remember Tricky? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, he was in a song with Live. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are the only acts I have heard of, but, you know, y'all can go to afropunk.com. Okay. And uh, check it out. And also, uh, Xavier Black and Jeremy Avalon, um, they're, they do a lot of shows. They're DJs. They do a lot of shows in Atlanta. So they'll be, of course, participating. Did you give um, any thought of going to the A3C this weekend? I didn't know even know it was, it was this week. And you know who is <laughs> you know who is uh doing something tonight? Who? Jay Boogie's Dubtronic Science. Oh snap, Jay Boogie going back to the um which which one was he in? Two K seven? College Hoops two K five. Two K five college. It was Hoops the one with, with Josh Childress on the cover. Yes, because he had um Jay Boogie's um what was the name of the song? Uh because it was the one we always said, like, we thought it should have said, like, get your back up off the wall. <laughs> I think it was La Sangra. We don't want to get left behind. All, All we, we want to do is just blow your mind. <laughs> get your back up off the wall <laughs> to the beach, y'all. And it don't stop. That Those memories right there, man. Josh Childress, no clue what happened to him. College Hoops 2K, if you're watching 2K, which you're probably not. But bring that game back. Like, that game was so good. You bring college hoops back. I mean, I, I know there's probably you know some likeness issues. Yeah. Um, well, two K's got some issues to work out right now. Like the yeah. new two K game, broken. Br- just, bring bring Jay Boogie back to to be on the soundtrack. I mean, we don't need all of these songs. Um, we don't need we don't another need these, song by uh, <laughs> Imagine Dragons. We don't need Imagine Dragons. We don't need Drake. God, I swear, like it's it is becoming like the Drake soundtrack. Like yeah. he has at least two songs every year, and it's like, oh, he, he don't he's with the Toronto Raptors, but he don't play for the Toronto yeah. Raptors. Like we bring back Jay Boogie, bring back uh, who else is on that? So Romanowski. Well, I I kind of felt bring, like bring those guys back. I kind of felt like the two the College Hoop soundtrack was a little bit more indie. Than yeah. the others, like not just indie hip hop, but like indie rock. Just it was indie altogether. Yeah. Had the, it really kind of had the feel of a college radio station, versus you know two K, which has more NCAA indie pop. Football and, did that too for for like one year. They had um, their soundtrack was basically like songs that were hits on college radio. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I liked that. I really. I just missed the whole college sports games in general. 
I don't know. I'm not 100% sure where 2K is going each year with their soundtrack, NBA 2K. Because it's like a mix of like, like this year they've got like Sammy Hagar 55 <laughs> on there. That's which is cool, but like it doesn't fit because then like the next song is Humble. <laughs> and then like, I think, is it Port- Portland by um, Drake or something like that with... Uh, I think one of the guys from um, one of the guys from Migos. Like it's just like a really, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all like over the place. It, exactly. It is really. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know because then they brought back um, the Alan Parsons project, Serious. That song <laughs> they brought that back, but it's a remix. So it's got like a beat behind it. They just don't know what they're. They don't know what they want to be. The Walker by Fitz and the Tantrums. Yeah. I know, right? I know. It's so all over the place. I don't get it either. Um, so I just play yeah. podcasts while I play. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I, I turn the volume down. Um, so, uh, well, before we get too off topic, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> we, we start the show on a, on a somber note and yeah. it, it sucks to do this. Um, but it, it does happen. Yeah. And, and uh, also, I found out a, a favorite comedian of mine passed away earlier Ooh. today, Ralphie May. What? Yeah. I didn't even. He- it was like two hours ago. No way. That's I mean, I believe you, but what the hell? Yeah, he had a uh, he had a heart attack. <sighs> Only 45 years old. He uh, was funny as hell, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was watch funny his as hell. Netflix specials, y'all. I think he has like two or three of them on there. He's got some good stuff, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, on um on uh ne- not Netflix, but on Spotify too. Some albums, like he's. I think he does at least. I don't know. I know a lot of people have started putting albums on there. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's, and I mean, and he was kind of like I guess you could almost kind of say he was kind of like the Kelly Clarkson of comedians like he got his start on last comic standing right yeah so you know started on reality tv um i mean he just like he was like that stereotypical like really country white dude you know like he and he played it like and like as you know like some of the country really country white dudes we met like at west georgia like you can't tell if they're trying not to be black <laughs> or if they're just so country <laughs> that they're just yeah, that's that's really sad. Yeah, um on the I believe this is on the 3rd um uh Tom Petty. Yeah. Uh passed away. Uh he had a heart attack as well. Um passed away at the age of 66 and you know it was one of those times like, you know, we live in a time where where you hear something like that and you kind of think Okay, the internet is trying to kill someone again. Yeah, yeah. It, it happens every few weeks. Um, but uh, did pass away. He um, he had been doing he had been doing some shows and, and touring as normal. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how they how they met him and how he, um, you know, basically how he came around is like he would wear some of his, you know, when he was on stage, he would wear something, a jacket that had the Confederate flag on it. Who? Uh, Tom, Tom Petty. Petty? Uh, he's from Tallahassee. I think. No, yeah. no, Gainesville. 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 Yeah. Because yeah, I think the Florida Gators did a uh, they honored him in some way. I didn't see what it was exactly, but mm-hmm. I know they uh, they did something in honor of him. Um, 
but he came around on that and he's more associated with with California more than yeah. Um, like he's got that yeah. California cool type thing going. Yeah. Um, one of the great troubadours. Like we we lost one of the um, you know the great American songwriters. One of his, I think, one of the early comparisons. Um, I don't think they were like the same kind of writer, but I guess they kind of had the same kind of voice. Like he he got compared to Bob Dylan yeah, a little bit, a lot. And I well, think it was because of his voice. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, their writing styles were completely different. You know, Bob Dylan was really more of your traditional folk singer, whereas Tom Petty would mix folk-esque lyrics with more of a rock sound. Yeah. You know, like it was very rare to see Tom Petty holding <laughs> an acoustic guitar. His biggest songs are, other than Free Falling, which I feel like is almost an anomaly but like you know his other big songs like we were talking about that list that came out like what was his number one song we think we the first thing american girl you know mary jane's last dance <laughs> won't back down won't back down like these are all you know rock songs refugee um yeah. running down a dream like they're all like he has that like he has like driving music like you yeah. you, you throw it on you drive across country you know and he tell and he's telling you a story so um yeah. i felt like Free Fallen was one of those songs you'd hear like guys playing the acoustic guitar at the yeah. Mellow Mushroom a lot, mm-hmm. including you. I didn't play to the Mellow Mushroom. I did end up adding it to um, the If By Chance set list, though, <laughs> down the road. We did play it, yeah. And um, then, of course, the ultimate play guitar to party guy, um, John Mayer, <laughs> covered it <laughs> on Where the Light Is. Um, and it was an interesting cover. That was that was interesting. Um but I mean it just yeah that song to me sounds very California I don't know why like I always think of like a big open like canyon in California when I hear that song well free fall yeah Yeah. it makes me think I think of um, the scene in Jerry Maguire okay when uh, he tries to sign um, Frank Cushman Mm mm-hmm I think it was his name. Oh, well, no, his last name was Cushman. Yeah. Uh, but he they didn't he didn't sign a contract <laughs> that should have been like um, the, the the telltale sign. He didn't sign a contract, but his father. But, you know, Cush's father gave his word. He's like, my word is as strong as oak. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like he's excited because he's got the number one pick of the draft, you know, as one of his clients. And then he. um and he's singing. He's singing "Free Fall" and as he's driving, really, back home. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the whole because he movie, was though. he was trying to find a song on the radio, and the songs were like too fast, or he didn't know the words. <laughs> and then he turns the it changes to the next station, and it's coming right up on the chorus. <laughs> and he, everyone knows the chorus. Um, but yeah, uh, rest in peace to Tom Petty. Yeah, um, singer songwriter band leader um i want to check out the traveling wilbury stuff yeah all i know is the one song that they had that was you know really big um yeah for me i man and i forgot what i was just about to say but yeah i would like to check out what i was gonna say he took what ended up being my favorite band name the heartbreakers like i love that i always love that band name like the heartbreakers that's what do we do break hearts man (laughs) the heartbreakers so so we're gonna take a a short break here something we don't normally do um but take a short break here to pay uh 
a tribute to Tom Petty by playing one of his songs. Now, a song that we came to agree on is actually uh, uh, children. I grew up watching a lot of NBA home videos. I was videos. hoping you told this story. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of NBA home videos, and one of them is uh, was about the 1991 Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan <laughs> winning his first championship, and it was called Learning to Fly, the story of the 1991 Chicago Bulls. And this song pl- was played at the end, you know, when they win the championship, everything. So this is Learning to Fly by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and uh, we will be right back. Well, it started out down a dirty road. Started out all alone, and the sun went down as across the hill, and the town lit up. The world gets still I'm learning to fly But I ain't got wings Coming down Is the hardest thing Well the good old days May not return Rocks might melt And the seed may burn I'm learning to fly But I ain't got wings Coming down Is the hardest thing All right, that is Learning to Fly by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I always felt like the Foo Fighters were trying to recreate this sound um, on that uh, Wheels Will song. Felt like that. Very similar sounds. Yeah, you can rest in peace to Tom Petty. Um, so, uh, in other music news, um, I think I texted this to Ben on Tuesday. Uh, Which one? about the American Idol judge. <laughs> so we've talked about this before. <laughs> uh, we talked about this before. Uh, Katy Perry was going to be a judge in American Idol. She's like the first one signed. They used up all of their they, salary they, cap. Yeah. Uh, 25 of the 30, did the, I guess four of it went to Luke Bryan. Who <laughs> just um, happened to be there, basically, it seems like. Um I wonder what kind of deal that uh, um, that Ryan Seacrest has as the host, or is that different? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they have him on a different thing. 
Because uh, he's not going to deal take... is okay. You co-host live with uh, Kelly, so it's live uh, with Kelly and Ryan. It's a part of the deal. You think yeah. so? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he's, I bet he's making bank on there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the third judge is Lionel Richie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Lionel Richie is the third judge. Um, I had to. Uh, I had to get some new tires put on and I was sitting in the um in the shop and uh after a good morning America was live with Kelly and Ryan and they uh they were talking about how well Kelly for some reason is a big Lionel Richie fan. Odd, but okay. <laughs> and um uh Ryan was talking about how he uh, when he met Lionel Richie, when they're you know doing this American Idol stuff, and it's like so, <laughs> it was like so weird to know. He's like so, uh, I think he had just he had just done a show, and he's like, well, uh, how how are you feeling today? How did how did it go last night? He's like, oh, the show went fine, and I, I woke up this morning, and you know my back was kind of hurting, <laughs> and but you know then I went up, I went to the bathroom, and I, I looked in the mirror, and I just said. You're Lionel Richie. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so he does do that. Yeah, uh, he's he's that guy. Hey, um, <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it. You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Lionel Richie is the third American Idol judge. How old is he? He's in. I mean, he's in his early sixties. Let's see, Lionel Richie age. Nah. He's in his late 60s. He late is 68. 60s. <laughs> late 60s. Okay. And he's still up there dancing all night long. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And on the ceiling. And on the ceiling. <laughs> no, we saw him on... Because he can't slow down. Someone's... uh. He's running through the night. <laughs> we saw him on someone's New Year's Eve thing, and I was like, "How is he still going?" Like he was like he wasn't just sitting there at the piano; he was actually kind of up, half doing choreography. And I'm like, "He, no wonder his back hurts." Like he's just like, "Uh, uh my back. Uh, uh, yeah, what a feeling <laughs> all night long." <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, that's going. That will round out the American Idol judges. I don't know if it's going to catch. It's it, it's it's hard to beat. Even though, like, I don't know about you, I mm-hmm. didn't know who Simon Cowell was. Nope. I didn't even know about Randy Jackson. Nope, didn't. Uh, uh, the only person I knew was Paula Abdul. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're trying to catch lightning in the bottle or if there was just a a craving for more American Idol. I, I don't, don't know if it's how long this was. is going to last. They're just. I think they're trying to cash in on. They're grasping for straws. They're looking at what the voice is doing and what America's Got Talent's doing. And what's interesting is, remember when we talked to we, we talked at length about the boy band show. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> grasping for straws. It's. It's. I mean, like at this point, you have a big name. Yeah, you've got the name American Idol. If it does, it still carry weight. We'll see. <laughs> Because at this point, that's all it has going for it. You've got three people that no one really wants to watch. I mean, it's just like who these three people aren't known for having personality. It'd be different if like, you know, Katy Perry was the bad girl of pop music and Luke Bryan was the bad boy of country. And, you know, it'd be different if like, you know, they're a mouthy 
but they're not known <laughs> for being mouthy. Like, you know, like, why didn't you go after... I'm trying to think of someone who's out and like a really outspoken pop star. Like, why not go after Kanye? Kanye is known for being outspoken. Like, you really want people to watch it? Get Kanye and Taylor Swift to judge this show. People will talk about it just to see them disagree, to see them like have conflict and controversy. Like, this is probably going to be the most tame judge panel we've ever seen. Like, it's. I mean, like, you really think that, you know, who's who's going to go off on the contestants and say you're the worst I've ever seen? No one. It ain't going to be Luke Bryan. <laughs> I've yeah, heard his no, music. Yeah, He's too nice. No angry British guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hell, even if you got like an angry country guy, like you got a country singer who's just mad all the time and, and just yelling. It's like, hey, man, I don't like your stuff, man. You just you suck, man. You worst I've ever seen in my life, man. Get off my stage. Like, that'd be different. But like, that's they, they ain't got that. So. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be like really boring <laughs> honestly. Yeah. They'll 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 uh limp to the finish line. <laughs> That's what you want to say. Get Fred Durst. What's Fred Durst doing? <laughs> like he's he's controversial. Like you need someone interesting. That's what you really need. Or maybe Katy Perry will be like um surprisingly harsh to people. Maybe she'll be the mean one. Hey, maybe they're telling her like, "Hey, you hate everything." <laughs> Right, if she's if she's cracked jokes about her contemporaries, touche. Then she might be surprisingly harsh, and I and Lionel Richie would probably end up being the really nice one. Mm-hmm. And Luke Bryan's caught in the middle. Hey, dog. Um, <laughs> you just all right, dog. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, moving on from that, uh, so the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees were announced. Uh, just give you a rundown of who's been nominated. Uh, bon Jovi. I kind of feel like they should have been nominated a while ago, but maybe yeah. is this their first nomination? I don't know. Let me see here. I'm curious. Um, other nominees: Kate Bush, uh, was actually an influence on Outcast. I think that's what like what uh, Andre and Antle Boy what they had in common. Like they both were fans of Kate Bush. That is really weird. <laughs> I could see Andre, but not Big Boy. That just seems weird, but okay. Uh, the Cars. I think they were nominated last year. I really like The Cars. Uh, Depeche oh. Mode. They're also nominated last year. Dire Straits. Another good band. Okay. Um, Eurythmics. Now, that I, I hope they get in. Like The Eurythmics, in my opinion, that their music has endured. Yeah. Gets uh, considered uh, rock soul, mostly for Annie Lennox. <laughs> yeah. um, the Jay Giles band. Um, we talk about Jay Giles passed away earlier this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like I see the MC5 on here. Uh, LL Cool J. Now I see one band on here that if they don't get in, I could see their fans rallying. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm looking at the gallery. We got the ads here. Um, the meters. Um, I believe if you're from New Orleans, you're probably rooting for them. <laughs> uh, the Moody Blues. Uh, Radiohead. Are you talking about Radiohead? <laughs> the most important band in rock music ever, be since the beginning of time. When they started, like their at their first show there was only like 40 people but then like 4 million people have claimed to be among those 40 people wouldn't be surprised 
everyone everyone swears they've always loved Radiohead. Like I've loved them since the Bends. Name one song from the Bends. <laughs> For me, like I know I know some songs. I know a couple of songs. I like. Okay, I hate people who like cover creep. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sick of that. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't I don't like people who cover creep. Uh, I don't like the covers of it. Basically, I don't, yeah. say I don't like them. Uh, Karma Police. Um, I like Paranoid Android. That's probably my favorite. I like Idiotech. That's a really good song. That was next um, on the list, just because it's such a, it's so unlike anything else they had ever done up to that point. Yeah. And apparently, he said it was inspired by him going to all the discotheques. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're nominated. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a long time coming right there. Now that's one of those, you know how we talked about, you know, if they're inducted, there's always that band are are all the members going to show up? <laughs> this is definitely one of those. Will Tom Morello show up? <laughs> Will Zach De La Roca show up? Will their drummer climb something again? <laughs> Will they show up if they're if they don't get inducted yeah. and climb something? <laughs> that, I'm banking on that actually. Uh we also got uh, Rufus mm. featuring Shaka Khan. Mm-hmm. Well, she was nominated last, or, or this the group was nominated last year. Yeah, uh, Nina Simone. Now, see, some of these bands I'm looking at that are nominated, I didn't know. I would never think that they were like. I'm looking at the, the zombies. All I know is the um, season song. I don't know anything else that they've really done. So I'm like, why are they getting nominated? Like, does that mean like you know how influential were they if you know yeah you only know one song. like well marcy playground <laughs> be like oh man marcy playground oh yeah you know they had the song about sex and sweet things and candy yeah um uh, jay giles you know it's like i'm kind of surprised nina simone isn't in um uh sister rosetta tharp uh she <clears throat> It's something that I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure how influential she actually was. I mean, it seemed like she would be more influential. For those who not uh, who don't know of Sister Rosetta Tharp, uh, guitarist, mm-hmm. what a female guitarist playing gospel music mm-hmm. with rock and roll influences. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot going on, and it sounds really good. So. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot, there are a lot of guitar players who, you know, who um, look at her as an influence. So it's I think she's probably one that probably should get in yeah. based on the influence alone and the um, I guess just the visual like, OK, here's this black lady <laughs> dressed like she's going to church. Then mm-hmm. she pulls out this guitar and sings about going to church and she's really good at playing. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm happy that she's nominated. Also, uh, Link Ray. I'm not familiar with Link Ray, or am I? Uh, known for his song "Rumble." Um, probably if I hear the song, I probably know what that is. Um, the instrumental hits are kind of hard to sell. Oh, okay, his instrumental. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the zombies. Um, yeah. I think I last heard the time of the season in like a. Uh, it was in a movie. It was in, um, I think, The Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it was also in a commercial, but it's for something that was like it was like a Tampax commercial oh, okay. or something, probably. And then I was like, oh, I remember that song. And I started listening to it. I was like, yeah, this is really good. It has a really killer keyboard solo. And then, you know, it played another song by them. And I was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. Um, let's see if there's a... I love also looking at these and wondering yeah. who would they invite up to play? Because, of course, you know, they typically have the big jam... Yeah, everyone's playing. So of course you'll have Richie Sambora. You'll have um, Mark Knopfler, um, Tom Morello. Tom Morello if he shows up. Who in the past has who has shown up and played some kick ass solos. Um, I think people think when you look at Tom Tom Morello, like oh he's just like all sounds, and then he goes like wait wait I can play, <laughs> and he does something crazy. Uh, Probably Dave, David Stewart would probably be up there. Maybe, maybe. Um, and, It'd be interesting uh, to see, though. Because I know sometimes yeah. they'll also bring, like, the people who, you know, that introduce them will come up there. So, it'll, it'll we'll see. I'm, I'm curious. I, that's kind of become, like, one of my favorite parts of it. The long jams. Uh, just to, and uh, also, for LL Cool J and The Meters, they have been nominated four times. LL Cool J has been nominated four times? Okay. And the Jay Giles Band, this is their sixth nomination. Mm. So they're going to do like how I feel like the Grammys do, and they're going to finally induct them after the main guy dies. Stringable. Or the, the, you know, the namesake of the band has died. Yeah. Um, so uh, you'll see what happens with that. Uh, I don't have a date here of when... It'll be official, but I think it's. I think when we last talked about it, it wasn't too long after, and yeah. the induction ceremony will be in April. Yeah. All right. So, um, I found. Well, I found this story. I wasn't sure. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the these charts. These what's going on? With, what's going on with these charts? So, the number one song in the country is still. Bodak Yellow by Cardi B. Um, mm. I, I, I'm worried about her her follow up. Uh, um, as far as like if it's going to be any kind of successful, hey, I think she, you know, people may be looking at her <laughs> as a novelty act, and and that she has to go back to loving hip hop. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go well. Worst things that happen. I mean. <laughs> Speaking of that, real, real quick, because uh, I watched the last episode, and it reminded me of our when we talked about the new edition story and then mm-hmm. other biopics yeah. that could be done. We brought up B2K. Oh, yeah. So um, Fizz from B2K is on Love & Hip Hop Hollywood, and it seems so random. He's like, I want to I get the band back together. So he's trying to get B2K <sighs> back together. So he talks to uh, one of them, the one, the one of the other three that's not Omarion. Um, <laughs> um, so he talks to him, and he he started his own production company. What does he produce? I have no idea, but uh, he's. But apparently, it would be it would it might look bad on him if he decides to go but tries decides to reunite and it doesn't work out and 
Um, the other one, the other one that's not Omarion is in China somewhere. And they're, they were talking about it, like, do you think O would want to do it? And it's probably like, no. He's, he's he, fine. He, he might see it as a step back. Yeah. Supposed to be was like two years ago, though. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, he is 32. And Dang, then, boys. <laughs> boys no more. <laughs> but then there was also like. Uh, Fizz, he talked to Ray J about being the lead singer of B2K. Okay, so you know what this sounds like? The Temptations. <laughs> sounds like they're looking, they just went and found David Ruffin. <laughs> no, they got, they went and got Dennis. They got, yes, after they, they left, get Dennis. After David Ruffin left. Or, or got or kicked out. Di- or would do a dish of getting Johnny. Oh, God. <laughs> so, they, and, <laughs> I don't know if you want to and get it, a Ray J to sing for you. And it was so the thing, it was so random and I was like, he must not have any money. Who, Ray J? No, uh Fizz. Fizz? Probably not. He has no money. Because this this just came out of nowhere to where like because it, the scene was he's playing golf with Safari, um, who you all may know as Nicki Minaj's ex. Um they're playing golf and uh he says yeah um oh he's like oh i invited somebody to play with us it's bobby brown <laughs> it's like what is bobby brown doing here oh and he's like well yeah what you know this is random to do just invite bobby brown out of nowhere and he's like well i want to get his advice because i want to get the group back together oh god <laughs> The, the show is so contrived. All the scenes are like so like, okay, yeah, sure. So here on CelebrityNetWorth.com, where you want to take that for, says his net worth is $2 million. Who? Lil Fizz. So um, he probably, I mean, like he, he, he probably doesn't actually have $2 million liquid. It's probably like investments and things like that. So. Yeah. Because it then also said the state of California sued him for a million dollars <laughs> in 2010. So yeah, he probably doesn't have much. Yeah, he probably is. He's probably broke. He's like, I could sell things, but I don't want to sell things. <laughs> I want to get the band back together. All right, let's finish out the top 10. I didn't mean to divert <laughs> into love and hip hop Hollywood. What a girl wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two is Rockstar by Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. Uh, number three is Look What You May Be Do by The Fake News of Pop Music. Number four, 1-800-273-8255 by Logic featuring Lesia Cara and Khalid. That is the Suicide Prevention Hotline. Number five, Despacito by Luis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee featuring the Spotify champion. <laughs> number six, Unforgettable by French Montana featuring Sway Lee. Uh, I've listened to the song. It's mostly Sway Lee on that song. <laughs> I can be- and I can believe that because French Montana has a very weird rap voice. Like, he sounds like a... I can't think... He sounds like a comedian almost. Like, <laughs> doesn't sound like he's actually a rapper. It's really weird. Uh, number seven, Feel It Still by Portugal, period, The Man. Number eight, Believer by the retired 2K Legends. Number nine, Rake It Up by Yo Gotti featuring Nicki Minaj. I thought this was an old song. <laughs> I heard it. It's like this. Uh, and number 10, Sorry Not Sorry by Demi Lovato. Uh-oh, she moving up. So that up. is climbing the charts. Yeah, it is. 
And with the albums, number one is Wonderful, Wonderful by The Killers, debuting at number one. Debuting at number two, Jim and I by Macklemore. Number three, Love is Raised 2 by Lil Uzi Vert. Number four, By Any Means 2 by Kevin Gates. Last week it was number 100. Wow. And then it jumps to number four. Um, number five, an al- debuting at number five is an album that kind of dropped out of the sky. Trip by Janae Aiko. Uh, number six, Stony by Post Malone. Number seven, Evolve by the Retired 2K Legends. Number eight, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Number nine, American Team by Khalid. And number ten, back in the top ten, Divide by the most influential artist in black music. I'm glad to see he's doing well and not getting held down by the man. <laughs> All right, and the artist 100, they put out an album, so of course they're number one, The Killers. <laughs> <laughs> number two, The Retired 2K Legends. Number three, The Fake News of Pop Music. Number four, The Most Influential Artist in Black Music. Number five, Post Malone. Number six, she'll be going back to Love and Hip Hop anytime now, Aww. Cardi B. <laughs> number seven, Bruno Mars. Number eight, Kendrick Lamar, number nine, BTS, and number ten, Macklemore. Macklemore. I hope I, I I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. He seems like uh, a nice his guy. His album also debuted at number one on the hot hip hop and R and B albums. Mm-hmm. Probably previously called the Black Albums. <laughs> black folk stuff. <laughs> he was, was on guy. he was on someone's song recently. Like someone had him featured on their song. I can't remember who it was. Was it G Easy? Mm-mm. <laughs> it was. It was like a legit. And I should say because he is a rapper too. I'm. I'm gonna. I forget who it was though. Like it was like I was actually surprised because I know in the past people typically didn't invite him to be on their songs outside of like I think like Schoolboy Q. Yeah, that had was him on something. The I could think of. <laughs> yeah, but I forgot who it was, and I was like, "Good for him. Good for him." <laughs> he's. He's. Uh. Yeah. All right, so um, you know who else I saw featured too on a song, Chief Keef, um, Andy Milanakis. <laughs> like he's, I think he's kind of like a Mickey Avalon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was funny. It was really funny. He's not as good though. <laughs> All right, so uh, found this story. Thought that was in, uh, that was interesting as far as artists being paid for their work um, to where sometimes if they're not getting paid at a certain time they take out loans or they get advances and then in some cases they have to sell their copyrights or sell their um, yeah sell their publishing Uh, so uh, Sound Royalties which is a company launched by Alex H in 2014 with the aim of providing songwriters and creators with advances on future royalties without having to sell copyrights has built itself as a business that has the best interest of artists at its core. In February, the company announced a plan to invest $100 million over the next two years in such advances, stressing an artist-friendly and flexible approach to its practices that can give musicians options that a bank would not. Now it's diving into the complicated issue of royalty payments, more specifically royalties that have been generated, but for one reason or another have not been paid, basically. So the company has identified over $14 million in undistributed royalties 
owed to over 300 artists and entertainers, including names such as Mariah Carey, Pharrell Williams, Randy Jackson, and Joe Perry. Citing internal analysis and research of a projected royalty streams, a projected royalty streams from a variety of sources. So, um, artists aren't getting paid the money that they deserve. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, like you know, as, as far as of course, you know, you, you depend on things like ASCAP and BMI to to track these things for you and um you know while they i'm gonna say while i as far as i know they try their hardest to do so things like this will undoubtedly get you know lost swept you know swept up or whatever so it's a lot of money though um especially to be big names like this i could see if it were small time people you know But, you know, Mariah Carey, you know, Joe Perry, you know, the guitar player from uh, from Aerosmith, for those who might not know, Randy Jackson, Pharrell. Like these are, you know, of course, you know, Mariah Carey, Pharrell Williams and Joe Perry are all doing just fine. I don't know how well Randy Jackson's doing. I'm going to assume he's doing okay. He's got that American Idol money. Yeah. (laughs) Probably getting residuals. He's he's, he's producing the next Boys to Men covers album. Is he? he? (laughs) I imagine he still gets residuals every time an episode of American Idol. You know, yeah. Every time someone American says American Juniors, every time someone says dog, out of rewind. You know, he just got ten dollars. <laughs> you know? Dog, ten um, more dollars. <laughs> the uh, the head of the um, company, Alex Hayes, she cited a report from Berklee College of Music that claimed that twenty to fifty percent—that is a big gap—royalties mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> do not reach the rightful owners, um, and that was one of the reasons that they started looking into the issue. And as far as the sources, uh, the company says they came across a lot of different issues and it was kind of vague as to why the royalties weren't reaching the artists. And um, the music industry's data transparency problem, (laughs) which is, (laughs) yep, you're going to run into that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it's been much discussed and contributed to uncollected royalty. So not being able to get a clear line on uh, what someone's supposed to earn. Um, And that's where you think these these trade organizations would would come into play, you know, but, you know. Uh, he said a couple of years ago, there weren't a ton of writers on every single song. Now there might be six. You know what? That's interesting. I never thought about that. How, you know how to divide the points. Yeah. Um, which is there's a really good thing for anyone listening. Check out the video with that the weekend did for Genius, mm-hmm. where he talks about his career and stuff, and he talks about how like the number of points he would have received on his first single just kept going down and, and, and diminishing because I think you also mentioned that you, I think you said the same thing about the dream. Did I say the, I said, I meant the dream. The yeah. I meant I mean, the it dream. Probably happened to, yeah. to, to him too. But yeah, the dream <laughs> that happened to him on his first single, um, I think it was a B2K song full circle. Yeah. yeah. Full circle. <laughs> um, that he wrote. And by the time it, you know, the finished product came out, there were like six different writers on it. And you know, the points that he would have had on it just diminished and diminished and diminished. I bet that is an issue because it's it's touching the hands of so many people. And I would imagine unless you're a huge name, you, you don't demand your own royalty rate. No, <laughs> you don't demand that. And he said, uh, what if one person says they're entitled to 25 percent, but everyone else says 20 percent? 
<laughs> so, and society, the society will freeze the payments, and they don't necessarily notify everybody. Yeah. So if there's money that you're supposed to get, but if there's no, is this a, a did you read your contract kind of situation? Oh boy! Or, you know, did you read your publishing agreement situation? Oh boy! And 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 he's right. Like you know, these are it. It's it's very cloudy as far as what are these people supposed to get? Yeah. Um, and how did how do we agree to this? Um, if there's if the songs are going through different hands and they're being added as a songwriter, it's and he's he's you know uh, sound royalties has a lot of work ahead of him if they're trying <laughs> to sort this out. Yeah. Because um, I know we did a breakdown. I know it was a while ago, but when uh, This Is What You Came For came out, yeah, looked at what each person would earn. Um, yeah, like <laughs> Calvin Harris made a lot based on he's the songwriter, this as a songwriter, producer, and performer. performer yeah, uh, Rihanna got got a got a cut as a performer, mm -hmm. and Taylor Swift, uh, if she did get her cut, it would be her cut as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty straightforward, and it looked pretty simple. Mm -hmm. But according to this, it is not that it's not always that simple. Yeah, and I mean honestly, it was probably a little more straightforward because they knew each other. They were you know they were close, um, and they probably have people who, you know, when Rihanna comes in, like this is what I get is not negotiable. Yeah. Calvin Harris is like, well, this is what I get. If you want the song, it's non-negotiable. Like I'm, I'm producing. Yeah, I'm writing, and I'm an artist, so yeah. I, I should be getting this much. And then I think the only complicated part there really was Taylor Swift, who initially went under a pseudonym, who then came back said, "I want money," and it's just like, bruh, <laughs> what are you doing, <laughs> Niall Solberg? Like, what are you doing <laughs> now? You want money, so. I can only imagine, like, with people, and half the time, these people don't even see each other. Like, you would think it's six people in a studio together writing, no, someone comes up with the initial idea, the song gets taken into the studio, the producer says, uh, I don't like that, change this, and then he gets added on as a writer, and then another producer changes something, and they get added on as a writer, and next thing you know, there's six, seven writers on a Beyonce song. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> it's true. Um... <laughs> Uh, one last thing we want to talk about was the um, the Las Vegas shooting that took place on Sunday. Um, I guess the I guess what would make it music news, I guess for us, is that it took place during a country music festival. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's another example of yeah. the second example this year of not feeling safe at a concert. You know, the yeah. first with Ariana Grande in Manchester you know, with a bunch of kids. And then this one, you know, in Las Vegas at a um, country music festival, Jason Aldean, you know, we read was on stage. Um, and someone just opens fire, you know, and yeah. that's, that's so sad because music's supposed to be an escape, you know? And, uh, you know, you would imagine the people who are there probably having a good time, you know, enjoying, it's enjoying the, the festival. First day of the festival. Yeah. It was the, the end of the first day. Yeah. So everyone's like winding down, but you know, appearing to you know still have a good time mm -hmm. um i guess the 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 thing that 
to me, it, it stopped being about the, the music. You know, once you... It's kind of part, partly why I hate watching the news. <laughs> it just could... Because of how things are covered. Yeah. You know, and you, you think of all these hypotheticals like... um, Or, you know, people start having... Start trying to create that narrative for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it gets to a point to where, depending on how you're how you're wired you kind of whip yourself into a frenzy of something that you just Didn't made up in to. your head yeah. you know like you were talking about how on reddit it was people were saying it was isis and it was mm-hmm. a muslim and, and then uh, they found out it wasn't <laughs> they found out it wasn't like well something doesn't it doesn't sound start right. claiming like, fla- false flag like a i like i like a good conspiracy as much as the next person but everything is not a false flag like everything to that community is a false flag. <laughs> like literally everything. Stop it. <laughs> That's offensive at a certain point. And and then you also hear that, um, you know, you think about okay, how did this guy like? How do you have all these guns? Like, what's he doing with all this? Like, yeah. you know, based on what his life was, like, how did it? How did it come to this? You know, trying to put pieces together. Mm-hmm. And and some people are gonna say, well, this is why we need to talk about gun control. Like, why did he need all these guns? Mm-hmm. How did he get them? This doesn't make sense. And then you hear people like, well, this isn't really the time to talk about guns. And oh, it's yes. all it's never the time to yeah. talk about guns. Just like there's no right way to protest. Uh, there's no there's no way to protest in which everyone yeah. feels uncomfortable and agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Um. And like that was the kind of thing that stuck out to me to where, okay, wait, I heard eight guns and then it turned into nineteen guns and then it turned <laughs> into thirty three guns. Yeah, they were all in that room. Like, how do you get them all up there? So many guns. All right, uh, we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell the people about uh, your earworm and um, we're gonna play that. Go ahead. Okay. So- so, my earworm this week is a song by Keith Urban that um, I I really want to think. I used to hear Trent sing this song. <laughs> like, I think I've heard Trent sing this song before. But in any case, it's called Stupid Boy um, by Keith Urban. Originally done by an Austra- another Australian artist. And um, then he redid it. I think Nicole Kidman told him he should do it. Because, you know, they're married. Yeah. Oh. And we have someone at the door. All right, we're going to play that. (laughs) And we'll be right back. Beautiful and different. Stupid boy. You can't fence that in, stupid boy. It's like holding back the wind. She let her heart so right in your hand. Take a life 
live as well sorry for the abruptness um uh that was a previous appointment um (laughs) so um we started the show off with since you've been gone by kelly clarkson one of the greatest songs ever written (laughs) and uh who wrote that song ben carl martin sandberg aka Max Martin. Yes. And that is our topic for tonight. Max Martin. Um, the. You know, OK, I know Michael Jackson is the, the king of pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he might be the actual king of pop. The actual king of pop <laughs> might might be Max Martin. Um, as far as a songwriter and producer. Yeah. He has his hands on a lot of hits yeah i'll i'll go out and say it and this might be a bold statement um i think it really might just be a foregone conclusion that he is the greatest living pop writer songwriter right now um will likely go down as one of the greats will he go down as the greatest that's yet to be known um as of right now he's only second to george martin so think about that. The fifth Beatle, <laughs> he's only he's second to the fifth Beatle as far as a producer with the most number one hits. And he's not far. He's one behind from tying him two away from being ahead. Um, he's still behind Paul McCartney, who has 32, you know, written number one hits. Um, and he's four behind John Lennon. So he's in the company of literal legends. You know, Paul McCartney can probably consider one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Some people consider him the greatest songwriter of all time. And then, of course, the the McCartney-Lennon duo, 
which I think would be an interesting topic as well, is you know, considered by is certainly the most successful songwriting duo of all time. And he's you know, he's on their heels. Um and it's just because he just has an ear for this man. <laughs> he's got an ear. It's amazing that this guy um well one the many artists he's worked with yeah. and the number of hits and the thing that's hard to to keep going especially in something like the music industry is the longevity exactly um so going yeah. back i mean so we're in we're in 2017 now yeah his first major hit that he wrote by himself was baby one more time by britney spears in 1999 that was his first number one um that's you know that's uh that's a 20 year career yeah consistently you know like you know and it wasn't like you know and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of lag i mean even though mm-hmm. you said like since you've been gone was the comeback song like yeah. how how do you get to that so really i feel like his come that was his comeback song because and just looking here at his list of number ones he there was a lull in the early 2000s so he you know of course um, I think he is is single handedly responsible for the chart success of NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys in America, you know, and Britney and Britney, you know, baby one more time. Um, basically, the again. entire, you know, the first major label release of the Backstreet Boys, it was all him. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be me. And I think he had a hand in most of what was on the first NSYNC album as well. Um, yeah, with NSYNC, he did. um Did he do anything with the first NSYNC? And I'm trying to remember if he did. I think he might have come along on the second one, which was um, was that No Strings Attached. Yeah. So, um, and so looking back at, let me see here. Yeah. Go to that NSYNC. Yeah, I heard. I was like, what is that? (laughs) So yeah, his first thing on there on with them was on No Strings Attached. Um, But there was a bit of a lull. Like if you look at from like 2000 to 2003 2004 um like he had some songs but he didn't he wasn't as big as he had been and then all of a sudden since you've been gone came out you know and that was like what 2003 2004 and it was just like he had this he had the new he had the new max martin formula and what i mean is he had like that tried and true i think i used to talk about it like guitar and a drum machine in the verse and then just all out rocking out in the in the chorus with distorted guitars and a drum like an actual drummer um and he wrote that to success like since you be gone was a smash hit um really that whole album um breakaway with since you be gone behind these hazel eyes were both i believe the two biggest songs off that album yeah um both you know max martin and, and dr luke and that's when we kind of got introduced to who dr luke was yeah um, Dr. Luke, you know, helped kind of revitalize his career. Um, and that was, that's why I call that his comeback, you know? And then of course he goes and on. And we're talking about really like a four year period. Yeah. It wasn't uh, long. It wasn't long. <laughs> I mean, sometimes in the music industry, that can be mm-hmm. like, um, where was this eternity. guy? What happened to him? <laughs> you think he fell off or, you know, or something, but, um, and then, but right after not that, that he though, wasn't working it's just, it wasn't that, that smash hit mm-hmm. so you know the previous one was it's gonna be me yeah um but it was 
you know, there were a lot of, um, and the thing is, in America, we know the artists that he's worked with, mm-hmm. but there are tons of others mm-hmm. that we don't know yeah. that he may have had uh, success with. Yeah. And it's something that we do know, but we know them for, you know, something else like five. Yeah. Um, so he was on. He was on. It's gonna be not. It's gonna be me. Where is it? Because he was on the, the first album of In Sync. Um, I want you back and tearing up my heart. He co-wrote those songs too. Mm-hmm. So okay. I mean, he's he's been. You know, he's had his hand in pop music. Um, and I I feel like after you know he came back with Since You've Been Gone, he's been dominant. It was like you know he had that he had that first bit of success you know had a little bit of a lull and then after that he came back and he has been like he has not had a lull since then <laughs> it's yeah. just like hit after hit after hit after hit to and the point it's, it's like it's crazy. at least like it seemed to be at least one uh at least one a year that was a big hit so since you've been gone was 2004 all right and then in 2005 um you know work with the backstreet boys uh on never gone mm-hmm. and uh, the Veronicas, the Veronicas. You know, Heck so yeah. we had some hits there. Not not as big as since you've been gone, but still a couple of hits there. And then 2006, he starts working with Pink. Mm-hmm. Who knew? And you and your hand and Cause I Can were yeah. hits. And then 2007, um, he worked with Avril Lavigne and James Blunt and Daughtry <laughs> and Leona Lewis. Mm-hmm. And then the next year. Katy Perry. And so, <laughs> so and, I go on record and, by saying he is responsible again. for her career. Like every well, yeah. major mean, hit song she's had has been a Max Martin song. Uh, I Kissed a Girl was the, that's the first, that was what well, we we first heard of Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, for, I forget what her, what she was before when she was the Katie Hudson, Katie the Christian Hudson, singer, cr- Christian pop singer. <laughs> um, you know, that song is actually co-written with Kathy Dennis, if anyone remembers her. Which song? I Kissed a Girl? I Kissed a Girl. I can, yeah, I can believe that. Um, she also co-wrote Toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her, I heard her demo yeah, it was, on YouTube. It's actually better, I like it. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, yeah. yeah, he just, and so, like, after that, consistently, like, looking at his list of number ones, he had a number one in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16. He hasn't had one this year, but I'm, I'm you know, maybe just because he didn't want to. I mean. <laughs> well, as far as this year, um, well, he probably spent a lot of time working with Katy Perry. Yeah, which might have, uh, I wonder if that in recollection but he did co-write uh, Ready For It with Taylor Swift, which debuted at number three, as we talked mm-hmm. about before, and it, then it dropped. But probably because Look What You Made Me Do was getting the radio play. Yeah. And the live feed has stopped. Huh. You want to pause? I can see if I can fix it. Looks like the app crashed. All right. So we're going to hold for just a moment while we try to get the live feed going, and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Hey. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, see, so he may have spent a little too much time with Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, 
to be fair, she's they've they've had a, a successful run. I would almost liken their run to the run that um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis had with Janet Jackson. Yeah, I mean, on a major level, there's not really anyone else she's worked with to that level other than Max Martin. Yeah, I mean that that it's it's one of those. Um, it's one of those pop music marriages like mm-hmm. Jam and Lewis with Janet Jackson. You have Katy Perry and uh, and Max Martin, and probably probably would have thought for a moment it would have been Luke and Doctor Luke and Kesha. Yeah, but, um, that's another episode anyway. altogether. <laughs> We've said yeah. that several times. That'll be a, a later episode, but. There's a lot to unpack. I was like, there's that. a lot to dig there, yeah. and it might be better to wait until it's over. Yeah, completely because there is so much. But I'd be digress. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, it, it it's been a really good partnership as far as that goes. Um, and he's. I mean, but and he just writes. He stays busy, and I imagine he's. You know, looking at the people that he writes with, he's one of those people who probably comes in. And I'm not going to say he doesn't do as much as he used to, but like he's, I mean, he's working on teams now because he's so yeah. in demand. There are, um, you know, if you look kind of in the last couple of years, there are certain names that come up as far as, far as co-writers. Uh, Savan Kotesha, um, mm-hmm. Ali Payami, Peter Svensson, mm-hmm. Ahmad Balshi, um, uh, there's another name I saw. And I, I would love to hear his thoughts on Saya. Dr. Luke <laughs> because I know that um, that was somebody who he worked with extensively. Yeah. Um, and so I, I you know, and, and of course, like after it looks like just looking here after 2013, not so much. So I wonder if maybe he was seeing things that he didn't like in the studio or it was, yeah, it was probably it was maybe it's something like that. Or he thought that, or Dr. Luke thought, well, I can do this myself. Hey, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was probably like, all right, good luck, man. Have fun. Because, <laughs> I mean, like when you have such a long, um, when you have such a long tradition or long history, you know, like luck isn't, you know, having 22 number one hits. Luck isn't having a 20 year career of being, you know, the most successful, you know, songwriter in pop music, winning the ASCAP Songwriter of the Year Award 10 times. That's not luck. That's skill. So even though I know that he's been working with all of these people, it's not like I'm going to look at them and be like, oh, you know, he's being carried. No, he's carrying them. (laughs) It's, you know, I imagine like it's a huge thing to get, not just to get on a Max Martin song, but to be in his inner circle like Savan Kotesha, you know that like you mentioned like it's probably a big deal that they keep going back to this person I'm, i don't know if it's a man or a woman i'm trying to see if they have an article about them but for him to keep going back to um okay to him he's from austin texas huh, makes sense um for mm-hmm. them to keep going back to him that means that he sees something in him um and honestly he's he could probably break out you know and be a songwriter of his own just off of working with him yeah, it's probably like a um uh, 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 how Danger and Carrie Hilson yeah. were with Timberland, yeah, proteges basically. Yeah. Um, and so, so I know, of course, you know, we were when we were talking about this episode, doing this episode, we talked about like you know, 
huge episode, a lot to prep for. And honestly, as I tried to prep for it, I had no clue where to start. Yeah. Because I followed his career probably since I found out he wrote Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> you know, I think I followed his career since then. And like, it's been an interesting career to watch, you know, before he was crowned, you know, one of the greatest of all time. You know, he was just that dude who wrote really good pop songs. And then, you know, after, um, you know, I after like 2003, I didn't really hear from him that much. I didn't know what he was doing. And then next thing you know, riding my car one day, they're like, all right, check out the new Kelly Clarkson song they played since you've been gone. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then to later find out Max Martin wrote that. I'm like, he's back. Yes, he's back. And like ever since then, it's just been, you know, you follow his career and it's almost like it became a joke where it was just like, well, like all of the songs on the top, you know, the top 10 of the Hot 100 were all written by the same people. Like that was a reality at like, you know, certain points still right. really is. You've got like the same five to 10 people writing everything in pop music. And he is one of those people. He, he's probably five of those 10 people <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's writing everything. Um, and I think that's what drew me to to really getting into him because I like I like a lot of the music, and then there's just that level of respect, like just to be able to meet him, you know, to just be like, hey man, you're awesome, <laughs> like you don't you don't have a lot of duds, you know. And what's interesting, and you you see it with every every producer who has, um to where they have a ton of hits Mm -hmm. there's always like some to where there's that one you if you look at all the names there's always that name a couple of names that you see like oh they were either that artist either thought like oh if i go to him i'll get a hit or Mm -hmm. the record company directed me towards him because they think he'll write me a hit yeah um a name that i saw in there was uh uh Kevin McHale, not the basketball player. <laughs> uh, he played Artie on Glee, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, the characters on Glee they went solo. And he he had his solo album, and he Max Martin wrote a song, co-wrote a song mm-hmm. for him. It wasn't a hit. I didn't know that he even that this song was even made. <laughs> that he even had a solo album, but you know it's um. It's one of those things to where you think (laughs) you think they're going to if I go to this guy, he'll get me a hit. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of artists and record companies still have that mentality. Mm -hmm. So it's not like um, I guess that's the kind of thing you have to deal with if you are one, if you're prolific Mm -hmm. and then two, if you're also successful Mm -hmm. on a on at a at a, you know, there are a lot of uh, a lot of hits on your resume. You're it's going to seem like, wrong. yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you're automatic. It's kind of like how uh, NFL teams want to get the 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 assistant from the Patriots because they think <laughs> some championship juju is going to rub off on their team, it's or like, how the NBA does with the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> We're feeling that right now in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. No offense to Coach Bud, but he's not pop. <laughs> he's just not. And that's okay. Um Oh, you know what? What? I thought you were talking about um 
Sarkeesian or or Dan Quinn? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there you know, Dan Quinn is I I respect what Dan Quinn's doing. I see what he's doing. Sark, I'm the jury's still out just because uh, he was, you know, the hot the hot coach at Washington and then the drunk coach at USC. <laughs> and then he went to Alabama was like, you know, he went to Alabama was like, so you're saying Nick yells at you like this like the whole season? <laughs> he was there for one game. He was like, so it'll be like this the whole season, not just like the big games. Yeah, bruh. Like even when we were playing like Mercer, yeah, bruh. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he saw. He was like, "Hey, man, you know, I thought maybe Lane was just bad at his job." Like, bruh. Like he just likes to yell. Did you? I ever heard. I want to go too far off topic, topic, but I read that the Alabama defense would try their hardest to embarrass the Alabama offense so that Lane would get yelled at at practice, <laughs> and they would all laugh at it. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I believe it too. <laughs> and he probably yelled like, "This is practice. We talking about practice." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but yes. So I agree. Like this was one of those instances where they're just like, "Your magic will rub off," you know. And uh, it almost reminds me of um, the um, the Temptations movie where they're like, "If Smokey couldn't write us a hit, then maybe the problem was, you know, with someone in the group." Sorry, Kevin McHale, maybe it's you. Because, <laughs> like, I'm looking at a lot of songs that he has written for a lot of artists, and, you know, he's been the common denominator <laughs> yeah. in these songs, you know, and basically making the career of one, one of these people. And um, you could almost maybe even say reviving the career of a Kelly Clarkson, who, you know, had her first successful, her first album was successful. The second one was successful. She tries to go out on her own because she gets a big head, releases My December. It flops, you know, not for not, you know, by Kelly Clarkson standards. But yeah, compared to the others, it was a flop. Yeah. By, you know, um, Thankful, which was the first album and then Breakaway, which was the second. It flops compared to those. And who does she go back to for My Life Would Suck Without You? Max Martin (laughs) to get a hit. And that was what happened. Number one. That was 2009. His, yeah. His fifth number one hit. I guess he was like, come on back. It's OK. I forgive you. <laughs> she probably was like, no, I sat in the studio with him. I contributed to it, too, because she was a writer on Behind These Hazel Lies. And she was like, oh, no, I can. Pff, Max Martin smacks Martin. I can do this on my own. <laughs> and he was like, it's OK. Come on back. I got you. I got you. I think that was also the case with um, I think you'd say that about uh about Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. I would even say that about Pink. Like with that um, Razor Glass and um, So What. Like those were those songs really put her back into. Yeah. Speaking of well, which, that it wasn't like she went away. Yeah. And then came back. Mm-hmm. I, that's the, I think that that's the case with Kelly Clarkson and with Britney. Mm-hmm. Um, Pink was making, but I, with Pink, it was like okay, if Linda Perry can't do anything for you and then Dallas Austin can't do anything more for you (laughs) yeah we gotta go somewhere else because she made that album I'm Not Dead Yet in which she was just making like I don't think she was focused on making songs that appeal to the pop audience I mean like she released If God Were a DJ God Was a DJ she did the cover of the Beck song with William Orbit like I don't think she was trying to make popular music and then she just came back on the scene it seemed like she just came out of nowhere with so what and then after that just string of hit after hit after hit you know going to the max martin hit factory um and getting those songs and i meant to tell you 
she does still play there you go <laughs> i saw it i saw a video on youtube from vivo from a concert she did in the uk like maybe five years ago and she did there you go and it was but the weirdest you thing make me sick though no i don't think she did that <laughs> she didn't do you make me sick and most most guys or is that what it's called most girls most girls want the man with the mean green yeah no she didn't um didn't do that one either i don't think she's doing those <laughs> i'll look again but yeah i definitely did see there you go um she didn't do the dances from the video though <laughs> um one thing that Sometimes I wonder if if he is like he sometimes he is so it is so pop mm-hmm. it is so pop that it's it may be uh not as accessible to other um to certain audiences yeah like uh, I don't I don't know if any of his singles will be on the hot black singles charts. no I, I would maybe say the closest maybe dark horse since it had Juicy J on it, like maybe, and like that was his, you know, his best impression of a uh, of a trap beat, <laughs> or maybe can't feel my face. Like those are the only two. But like, yeah, he is no, like he has his wheelhouse and he stays in it. Like he knows where his bread is buttered, so to speak. I don't think he's as poppy as he once was because for me, it doesn't get poppier than Baby One More Time. Mm-hmm. Like that is. Like in, you know, 60 years that they're like, man, I wonder what, you know, like early 2000s pop, you know, sounded like, like there was this era that they speak of in the past known as, you know, the domination of the girl, you know, the pop star and the boy band. And I wonder what, you know, the perfect example of that is you'd hear like that song would play and you'd be like, oh, okay, you know, heavy, you know, like heavy beats, you know, like pop beats and synth and you know the, the it was i don't know like that song like i would hold that song up as one of the most perfect pop bubblegum pop songs written it just really fits like the subject doesn't really have you know doesn't really it, it's not really about anything hit me one more time you know he admittedly said that um that usually means to call you but he didn't really speak good english so <laughs> he didn't know like in his language like you know where he's from hit me one more time means call me one more time and of course, over here, like until we got Wikipedia and interviews, no one knew what that meant. Like, what do you mean, hit me one more time? Like, literally, hit me one more time. Like, punch me. Yeah. Is this is this a sexual thing? Like, it just didn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay, call me baby one more time. You know. Um, and he really he did most of that album. He did all of her hit songs back then. Stronger. He did. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. I still remember. The making the video of that album of that song um when he was in the studio i remember watching that and not knowing who he really was at the time like i just knew like there's this long-haired dude he sat there he's playing piano and you know and they made it like it was a bit to like max martin you know wrote this song for her and all this and i i sort of knew who he was but you know we didn't really have the accessibility to youtube to wikipedia like we do now now you can look him up and you, and you can know it was him but Back then, you know, you didn't really have too much to go off of. Yeah. Um, like I said, with uh, you can look at a certain period of time and look at who he's working with. I mean, he didn't write all these songs by himself, but mm-hmm. he is the common denominator. Yeah, he really is. Um, 
you know, uh, who I don't know who Rami Yacoub is <laughs> or uh, Andreas Carlson or um, uh, Christian London. Uh, you know, these are people who they're multiple songs that he's worked with them, but then he'll move on to somebody else, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, not that necessarily, you know, bad or anything like that. It's just it's just what how it went, you know, mm-hmm. um, and what do you think it is that to where these songs are on they to where they they. They get radio play. Yeah. So, and, you know, it was a period of time kind of when he was starting out to where to get on the radio. Oh, they were, uh, to get on the radio was uh, was very important. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess it could still be important now, but the way that the way formats more go back then, way more important. Yeah. Uh, and you, you at the same time, you kind of had a better chance. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and how the music video wasn't um, was important as far as being on television. To where, uh, trying to regain my train of thought here. Okay, <laughs> to where, uh, where? What do you think it is to where his songs? Not only are they they're hits, but they're getting on the radio, and it, he's able to like have some consistency as much as you can as far as far as the music industry goes, but. To continue to do that, uh, what do you think it is to where it it's, it's radio friendly as well, or what do you think makes a radio friendly song, and what do you, how do you think he approaches that? Well, I think what makes a radio friendly song is understanding what's going on in the industry and on the radio right now. So you have to be constantly listening to see like, all right, what does this song sound like? But not just that as well. Um, I think you also have to be able to predict what's going to be big and whether that means, you know, looking in other parts of the world and seeing what's popular there and seeing, you know, testing the waters, throwing it out there a little bit to see if America grabs on. And if they do, then boom, you set that trend because, you know, as of now, he is clearly a a trendsetter as far as pop music goes, but he also still has his, you know, his ears solidly in, you know, what's in pop music now. And that's why you'll hear, you know, the songs might start to sound the same after a while, but it's just because he understands that. And most songwriters, you know, understand that you have to, you still have to give the people what they want to hear. Like you can't make an album of just what you want to hear because <laughs> what if what you want to hear is garbage? Cause um, if you, I've read a few interviews where he grew up a fan of rock music. He wanted to be in a metal band. <laughs> I think he was in a glam rock band. Yeah. Like that's what he wanted to do. Um, so I can only imagine how big he would have been if he was in the eighties, <laughs> he would have been writing for the likes of poison, maybe Bon Jovi, you Def know, Leopard. He, Def Leppard, which I think he did some production on their album X. So, you know, maybe that was him fulfilling a dream there, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think he really keeps his ear to the ground and I think his willingness to work with people, someone like a Dr. Luke really helps him i think that really helps him like dr luke i help think helped revive his career and he was like all right you know i'm not afraid to do this i can try this and he he'll you know rinse and repeat until it's time to change you know when 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 um the early mid-2000s power pop craze and it was mostly female driven you know with your yeah. Avril lavigne um kelly clarkson 
um, Hillary Duff, you know, it was it was primarily female driven after that craze kind of died down. Unlike, you know, someone like the hit factory, he didn't keep pushing that out. Yeah, he was on to the next. He made, he made an adjustment. Yeah. You can listen to the first Katy Perry album and then go to the second Katy Perry album. So the first one, one of the boys um, sounds nothing like Teenage Dream which I think is, you know, one of the best pop albums ever released, um, Teenage Dream. The lead single, California Girls, incredibly different from anything on One of the Boys. You know, all the guitars are gone. There's a rap break. Um, it has, you know, it has Snoop Dogg on it. That, 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 and you could probably look at, a, at that as like a turning point. Yeah, yeah. Like you started seeing more pop, female pop artists and purely pop artists, so not like a an R and B artist that try, is trying to cross over into pop, like purely pop artists, which Katy Perry was having rappers in their songs, right? You know, like you kind of had, you kind of saw some of it with, and you know what? This brings to mind an interview where Max Martin said that you know when he heard Britney Spears, "I'm a slave for you," that changed his mentality. He said that about you know the Neptunes, like what they did changed his mind and probably put him more in like you know more urban beats behind these pop artists because you kind of had that formulating with Britney Spears working with Pharrell on the I'm a slave for you record. I forget what else they did with her. I think they did boys. I, uh, yeah. And then like, there was a dark child remix of overprotected. So, you know, Britney Spears doing that because if you think about it, she worked exclusively with him on her first couple of albums. So like on baby one more time and then oops, I did it again. That was all Max Martin. She leaves him and goes to start working with Pharrell and, and I think even later on Bloodshine Avant on um on Toxic. And he's probably thinking, I need to follow suit. What does he do? He gets Katy Perry and he makes California Girls, <laughs> you know, featuring Snoop Dogg and blows it out of the water. It's a huge song. It's everywhere. E. T. with Kanye West. Everywhere. But he doesn't forget his pop roots and he puts Teenage Dream on there, which I still think Teenage Dream and Firework are her standout songs on that on, you know, not just that album, her career. Um, so, you know, he he heard what was going on. It was like, all right, got to adjust, you know, then on Prism, you know, after releasing Roar, Dark Horse gets Juicy J, makes a trap beat. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. And then you can also uh, he, he, he does that with Katy Perry, um, also still working with. You know, Pink and Britney, mm-hmm. and then uh, the the turn of the <laughs> I want to say like she turned heel, but Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Taylor the Taylor Swift story is interesting because although I have not researched this, everything points to she releases the first album when she's like. 16 or 17 and they buy it because oh that's cute and she's got the fans that that will support her there she comes out with fearless it's a smash it has you belong with me it wins album of the year that's awesome she you know has a, a, a michael jackson tour schedule where she supports that album for like a couple of years releases speak now which it could basically be called fearless 2.0 because <laughs> it's basically the same thing but it's more it's more polished. They were basically like, you have a bigger budget now. You, you've had a successful album and it's not as good because Taylor Swift, while a competent songwriter, she's not very creative. Taylor Swift is heavily carried by her producers. 
if she didn't have as good of the producers as she's had, all of her songs would sound the same because she follows the same. She follows a lot of the same chord progressions and a lot of the same um, structures with her songs. Her lyrics are her verses are very personal. Her choruses are very sing songy. She just happened to strike gold with a hit um, with a good hook on "You Belong with Me." So after "Speak Now" doesn't do as well as "Fearless" does, they go, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you're getting a songwriter." Enter Max Martin. They probably like they swung for the fences, man. <laughs> they, they didn't go yeah. just get anybody. They didn't go get a Benny Blanco. They say go get the biggest person we can find because we have someone who we think can be one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. So they go get Max Martin and he helps her co-write. We are never, ever getting back together. And it was huge. I knew you were trouble. Huge. Huge. Three smash singles, which at that point were bigger than any of her songs had ever been. And I think at that point they were like, we can turn her into a Britney Spears. And then what do you get next? You get 1989, (laughs) which gave her her first number one hit. All Max Martin penned. Well, we are never ever getting back together. Is that number, number one? one? Okay, my bad, yeah. my bad. So, but nineteen eighty nine, blank space, shake it off, bad blood. Yeah, we're all number one, and all you know, Max Wilder's Martin. dream was top ten, style was top ten, and I think like so in her head, I think Taylor Swift, and everyone was kind of saying that she wanted to make a Lord slash Lana Del Rey album, but I think he was like, no, we're making Teenage Dream, we're making Prism, but. Wildest Dreams sounds like Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Shake It Off sounds like Lord Sped Up. <laughs> That's what she was listening a lot to. I think he had Katy Perry in his mind when he yeah. went into it. I mean, Bad Blood, I wouldn't it, it, be surprised. It, it, it's, it's Katy Perry and Britney. I wouldn't be surprised if it was his idea to get Kendrick Lamar. I'm th- I'm just throwing that out there. Of course, she came out and was like, know. I'm a fan of Kendrick Lamar. I want to work with him. I don't think he knows any rappers. I think he does. I And the reason I think he does is because look at who he's had work on some of these songs. Kanye West, Snoop Dogg, Juicy J, Kendrick Lamar. And then he starts working with The Weeknd. Is he a hip hop fan? Probably not. But I, I think he... I think he keeps his ear close enough to the ground to know like who to work with. And he knew to know. get on California Girls. Who else are you gonna get? Snoop Dogg. Like the he's Mr. California. I think that was Katy Perry's idea. You th- <laughs> <laughs> so you think Katy Perry listens I, to hip hop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well she did work with Migos. Yeah, that was her idea. I think maybe it was maybe he, he heard but he doesn't know any I don't think he knows Max any Martin heard Fight Night. And no. was like, this is the greatest no. rap song no. ever. No, no. Nah. And Swedish talk, this is the greatest rap song. I don't know how to no. do a Swedish accent, but you nah. know what I'm saying. He doesn't know it. I, he doesn't know any rappers. Hey, I don't know, but I'm just saying he's the common denominator, Max Martin. <laughs> um, and he, uh, how do you think like? What do you think also contributes to the like the longevity? Because what what do you think makes him like the common denominator? Because like we said, he's worked with. They'll be like, if you look at this list, you'll see co-writers several times. Mm-hmm. But then later on, it's another group of co-writers that he'll work with for a long time or on certain projects. 
what do you think makes him the the common denominator? Like, I'm trying to figure out like what is his like what what is what is what is his sound? What is his writing? Uh, his writing style, or what is um, like you talked about, like how, what makes it radio friendly, but also how's this? How does he keep this going? I guess he's just. <laughs> I think he's more than likely just insanely creative and just has an ear, and and sometimes like that's all. Like you just have an ear for. Like you can just you can hear music in a way that other people don't. And it's almost like you can't, you can't categorize it. You can't classify it. You can just sit down and just come up with an idea. Like it's just, and it's just like, honestly, you can't explain it. And I've, I've had people ask me before, like how, like you can't explain it. Like you just, you just hear it. You know, you just like, you have a gift for writing melodies and he has a gift. I think, because I think that's the, you know, the big thing with a lot of the songs he has. They just have really good, well-written, solid melodies. He understand he understands song structure. Like looking at his songs that have been, you know, that have been number 1. They all have like, you know, and I'll maybe say honestly, you know, granted this was one of his first songs. The chorus is great, but the verse is probably one of his weaker and hit me baby one more time. Yeah. You know, as far as the verses go, like and maybe that might have been a little bit on Britney Spears, who isn't the greatest singer, let's just be honest. But like, you know, if you listen to like I'll go to So What. Like, you know, I'm sure he wrote that dun 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 like so simple but so catchy. And he and he basically just bases the song <laughs> around that, and then like you know this anthemic chorus like so what I'm just and it's just do 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 like it's just like who would even think to do that like who would think to like basically just make this almost like the 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 riff in the verse is almost nursery rhyme like da 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 da. You know, and then like, so what? I'm da 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 da. Let's give an example of that. So I guess like, so what? Yeah, it's so bouncy and just. And honestly, I think a lot of this music he released around this time was really in his wheelhouse because I'm pretty sure he was writing these riffs on guitar. I'm willing to bet he was just sitting there, like, probably just playing along. <laughs> playing along because like yeah this sounds cool see if we can make this a hit you know and there's probably a lot of guitar players out there who are like yeah this riff sucks well it doesn't matter it's ca- it's memorable it's catchy it works exactly oh and it was number one too so. yeah like it's got and it's got like a nice little sing-along chorus to it and yeah And this was like, this is the sound of the mid 2000s. Yeah. Like this was the sound. Like this sound was everywhere. And my, and I'm not gonna say it didn't always result in a number one hit, but he usually got top ten hits out of stuff like this. And it's like you know, check my flow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. I, I'm gonna have to think that she probably improvised that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a very pink thing to do. 
Um, I'm trying to think if there was something else I was thinking of that it, like interested me about him. Uh, well, I guess in some ways, uh, working with him could also be a bad, a bad thing. I guess it, it could like hurt someone's reputation, um, or their or to take them seriously. Like I think, yeah. uh, one of the more interesting cases of something like that would be like Nicki Minaj. Yeah, has Listen she worked to with her Yeah, she oh, has. She is? Okay. Um, if anyone who were taking her seriously as a rapper listened to her verse on Monster, that mm-hmm. was kind of like the what opened everyone's eyes. And then her her album Pink Friday is very pop, very <laughs> poppy. Yeah, um, you know, um. And she has a song on. Uh, it, w- it was a single called "Va Va Voom." Mm-hmm. Um, see, I haven't listened to this song, but it's on uh, the our Spotify Max Martin playlist. So let's see what this sounds like. Yeah, I think. Nicki Minaj has had a weird career Like she wanted I think she wanted to be taken seriously as a rapper But like that pop music money Is so good Yeah Like the music The money you get from pop music Is much Like your limo is much bigger (laughs) Your penthouse is much bigger When you're a pop star And I think that's what she was going for And I don't want to hate her for that But like yeah She was Yeah It it sounds like A Max Martin produced Mm -hmm. song and honestly, like a lot of people have referred to it as the Swedish pop sound, you know, very synth heavy. I mean, you, you go back as far as like a group like um, Ace of Base, very synth heavy, heavy on the hook, heavy on the um, heavy on the synth, heavy on the on just, you know, on the melody, you know, like I'm trying to think of like, don't walk, don't turn around. Even I know that was a cover. Yeah, but even though like it was a cover, they still the made way, it. They yeah. made it their own. Like it, some people don't even know that that was a cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the. <laughs> was it a reggae cover? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a reggae song. <laughs> it's on my reggae for people who don't know reggae. <laughs> and then that, of course, and this always makes me think of Pitch Perfect, the sign. You know, yeah. which was incredibly poppy and incredibly, you know, just yeah. So, and of course, that's, that's the the first turning point for Max Martin. Yeah, he mentions Ace them as as influences. Also mentions Prince. Not a bad influence to have. <laughs> I don't hear it, but okay. I don't hear it either. But it's, <laughs> it's probably more so when he says Prince. Maybe you know his singles from Purple. You know, Purple Rain. Maybe um, I don't know, but he says. Uh, so yeah, and some of these I don't hear. Abba, um, Kiss. Okay, but and we probably will never hear his Kiss um, influences <laughs> because that don't sell. Prince, Ace, and then Ace of Base and Lazy Home, who is a Swedish songwriter. Um, definitely hear the Abba influence. Definitely hear the Ace of Base influence. Um, so there are a couple of band of rock bands he's worked with. I don't hear the Kiss influence there either, though. 
Like the first rock band I knew of that he worked with was a band called Prime STH. I think he worked with them because they were from Stockholm. I'm going to just assume. <laughs> um, and then, he, of course, he worked with a band called, I think, Carolina Liar, which was a, a rock band. And he made their stuff sound very poppy as well. And they probably went to him thinking they could, you know, hey, we'll work with him. We'll get some hits. Um, yeah. Uh, another, and and you, you mentioned them, uh, kind of the, if you, if you sounded one way or people thought you were one way and then you work with Max Martin and it's so Bon Jovi's It's My Life yeah is one of those songs like are you were you did you like Slippery When Wet and New Jersey and then you also like It's My Life <laughs> so I think the first time I really got my education in Bon Jovi was there behind the music because of course back when it came out and back when we were growing up, the only way you could listen to songs is if you heard it on the radio or if you bought it. No YouTube, no Spotify, none of that stuff. So I I knew um, Wanted Dead or Alive because I'd seen the replays of it on um, MTV from their Unplugged. I did not know anything else by them. I didn't really know what Living on a Prayer sounded like because the Unplugged version sounded so different. So a lot of my exposure to them came from that behind the music and then of course that behind the music was released in tandem with it's my life which was on was it crush was the name of the album um and then of course me finding out some years later that max martin had a hand in it and me of course going duh like i should have seen i should have known (laughs) um give you guys a little yeah like even the beginning wow wow and of course that trademark um, Max Martin piano <laughs> he used piano of course in Baby One More Time so and what I felt bad about is like they tried to recreate this song several times yeah they tried to recreate this with uh, uh, Have a Nice Day <laughs> it's like this sounds like It's My Life part 2 <laughs> yeah me and Chris used to be like write a new song <laughs> so like yeah they tried to recreate it why not just go back to the source? Were they being cheap? Like they did not want to pay him? Oh, so he didn't do that one. I don't believe he did. Let me make sure. Because I don't want to insult him like that. The the list I have is basically just the singles that I knew off the top of my head. I didn't even go to a discography list or anything. Have a Nice Day album by Bon Jovi. I just remember when it came out, I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he was. I think I don't think he was anywhere on this album. They probably, yeah, he wasn't on there. John Shanks, who um, was known for writing with, um, I forgot what else he's done. I want to think he did some, yeah, he's done some um, Google Doll stuff. He did some The Cores. Um, I thought he worked with, uh, yeah, he worked with Miley Cyrus on um, Can't Be Tamed, um, Nelly Furtado. They went with him. He was kind of like a bargain bin, <laughs> Max Martin. So they didn't go back to him. And Desmond Child worked on that album, too, who he did work with Earl Smith. So, yeah, they didn't go back to the source. They figured we can just get someone else and have lightning in a bottle. And it just it didn't work. You got to go back to the source. Got to go back to the source. Yeah. And this was a good song. Like this was this was a hit for them. It kind of revived them. Um, Of course, Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi still looked like he was 30. (laughs) He still had all his hair. 
it was still brown. Yeah. And it was, and he like basically styled it, and you know, him and Richie Sambora looked so young. Like, and how old were they when this came out? Like, so John Bon Jovi right now is is fifty five. This song came out. So he was, yeah, he was thirty five. Okay, so he was about thirty five when this came out. So maybe he looked twenty. I don't know. He looked very young. Like he still looks young. But look at him. He still looks young. Is he a vampire? <laughs> he might be. Like I'm looking at him now. John Bon Jovi in 2009 looks like John Bon Jovi in 1999. Looks, looks like John Bon Jovi in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not aging. I'm gonna type that in. Him and Johnny Depp, vampires. Johnny Depp starting to age though. John Bon. I can see it. Jovi vampire and this was all have a nice day was also the album that was stretching john bon jovi's lyrical abilities anyway yeah, this ain't a song look. for the brokenhearted <laughs> silent prayer for the dear departed yeah great great lyrics um hey that is academy award nominee john bon jovi <laughs> word yeah yeah um but yeah with him and i and i feel like i've been all over the place but with someone like a max martin i don't know where to start i don't know where to end all i can talk about is his music and what he means to me yeah, i guess it's still it's still ongoing yeah he it's is still ongoing, ongoing with him uh, which is know. unlike the other producers we've talked about like they had their chance they had their time they're yeah the hit factory I mean, had their chance they you know the other ones that we're talking about uh that we've talked about um I mean, well, Jam and Lewis are still ongoing. I yeah. mean, they probably just work with Janet Jackson. But, hey, it's worked for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and he just passed them, you yeah. know. So, like, hey, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Um, but uh, I guess you could say he's he's kind of the opposite of what the hit factory was to where, you know, what they were doing was working. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who consistently made adjustments i still don't think he knows any rappers <laughs> but he trusted his artists who did that's what i'm gonna go with <laughs> fair enough fair enough um and and you know even to all the way to today um we talked about ready for it by taylor swift from her new album it debuted at number three yeah. The only reason I think it dropped is because, yeah, look what you made me do is still up there, which he didn't do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's because that's the single right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll let this other one just hang around. Um, but it's probably going to be a hit probably in a couple months. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it, it'll we'll go see. back up in a couple months, I think. I mean, I would hate to think that he's in a lull again. Um. To, and I mean, and in that case, I would like to see what would happen within the next couple of years. Does he find his groove again? And then he has another string of you know of dominant years. You know, I think that'd be interesting. And then like, who is that artist that he brings with him? Because the first time it was Kelly Clarkson and Katy Perry. You know, when he had his renaissance, that's what he brought with him. So who does he? You know, what's what singer is kind of mediocre right now? And then Max Martin gets a hold of them. And the next thing you know, they're everywhere. I'm curious to, you know, to know. I can't predict it right now. I don't know. I don't know. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see it. I think it'll depend on um, how this Miley Cyrus album does. I don't uh, know if he I don't. 
I don't think he, he's never worked with her. I, I don't no. know if I could see. He's worked with Noah Cyrus. I don't know how I would how I would like. I don't know. I just can't see that happening. Um, I mean, that'd be very interesting if you were to somehow <laughs> revive her career and make her relevant again. Um, because unlike a lot of people, I do actually believe that Miley Cyrus has a fair amount of talent. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think she's a complete hack. Um, yes. Does she genre jump? Yes, she does. Probably for the money. I don't think she really (laughs) cares about, I think she only cares about whatever genre. And honestly, I would, I think, you know, probably growing up with her father, she probably does have an affinity for older country music. Like I listened to that one record she did where she was, um, it was like a live series where she was in the back, her like someone's backyard mm. with like a traditional bluegrass band and just covered a bunch of bluegrass songs. Like she covered Jolene. That's probably where her, where she, what she really likes. And this pop thing is just like, you know, what pays the bills. <laughs> um, so maybe you, you could see her go to Max Martin and say, give me a hit. And next thing you know, he's like, and maybe he's like, I never thought you, I thought you never ask. <laughs> and they just create all these great songs, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Um, or he's going to revive Avril Lavigne. That would be more difficult. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Chad Kroger will want to be on. Okay. He revives Nickelback. You heard it here first. Max Martin and Nickelback. 2018 he is gonna bring <laughs> he's gonna make he's gonna do to nickelback what he did to bon jovi <laughs> chad if you're listening and you're probably not call it max martin like this needs to happen now but do you think that'll piss off fans even more who probably <laughs> and you know what it'll piss them off all the way to the bank because they'll make they'll bring Somebody, bring somebody's that, gonna buy it that max martin that Max, that Max Martin, Chad Kroger money, man. Like it's, it's going to play on Star ninety four and ninety nine X or oh, whatever yeah. the rock station is. It'll called. be everywhere. <laughs> it will be. It'll be on TRL. Like I could, like Chad Kroger won't have a song this successful since like Hero. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll. It would be huge. I got. I'm going to hashtag that hashtag Chad Kroger Max Martin connection. Do you think they'll be nominated for Grammys in the rock category? Or the pop category. Or both. It can't be both. No, because he'll release, Chad Kroger will insist on releasing a rock single, like he always does, and then they'll have the pop single, and it'll be like this huge, like larger than life pop song. Um, I, I mean, like, it'll be, and I mean, honestly, there might be a rapper involved. I could see a rapper, I don't know who, but there could be a rapper involved. And not Kendrick Lamar, he's done this too much. There's got to be. Make, I feel like this is where G Easy makes his big, big break. Maybe, maybe G Easy, maybe um, Machine Gun Kelly, who goes by MGK now because I guess that's easier to say. I don't know. Machine Wait, Gun. Do they? Does it necessarily have to be a white rapper? It doesn't have to be, but it, well, it no. has, well, it has to be someone that Nickelback knows. Yeah, <laughs> because Max Martin Max doesn't know rappers, or it could be. Um, I'm trying to think. Or who's if it's really someone big. Canadian. Then you know. Then okay. Then that's any Canadian rappers besides Drake. Drake. It'll be ooh, ooh. Do you know how that would be the end of the world? This could break the internet. That would be the end of the world. A song by Drake and Nickelback 
produced by Max Martin. <laughs> With backing vocals by Avril Lavigne. Yeah. That song's too Canadian. <laughs> that song's too Canadian. And, um, yeah, I, I, I somehow want this to happen. Um, I don't know, but, and I'm sad because I know it's not going to happen. No. There's got to be a way to make this happen. There's got to be a way. I'm going to find a way to make this happen. If Avril Lavigne doesn't like sing the hook, it'll be it'll be Bieber, but still. Ooh, I could I could see that as well. I could see that as well. You know, it'll get played on Canadian radio because you know. Yeah, it'll sweep the Junos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and here to present yeah. best song of the year, Sum Forty One. Because somehow they you got to just bring them up. The sums. Um, the weekend's Canadian too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he could get in on this. So this could be really the greatest Canadian track of all time. Yeah, yeah. This would be like. Did you ever hear their version of um, "We Are the World"? But they did that song uh, by Kanan, "Waving Flag." No. We'll check it out after this. <laughs> it's all Canadian artists. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all right. So that'll do it for our <laughs> discussion about Max Martin. Uh, you can check out our uh, playlist of selected Max Martin produced, co written singles on Spotify. Uh, BTTYHT produced, written, uh, produced by Max Martin. But in a lot of these, he co wrote them too. So uh, you can check that on Spotify right now. And uh, we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, this is an album I've been waiting two years for. Oh God! <laughs> uh, and I feel like I've heard half the album, but there was there were some others that weren't released as singles or on any EPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is his second appearance on the in the Earworms playlist. This is Rationale. Okay. And uh, it said like he was described as part Tracy Chapman, part Morrissey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is a song that I really um, like from his uh, his debut album, which came out today, self-titled. And it's called Prodigal Son. And um, I'm going to play it right now. I hope you guys like it. This is Rationale, Prodigal Son by Rationale. And we will be right back. Like you 
to my father Tell him I'll be everything he could never be And if I take the anger in me He failed to sunder I'll make it through the other side I don't wanna go Prodigal Son by Rationale from a self-titled album that just came out today. Um, I, 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 I like I've listened to the album. Um, I started listening to it this morning, <laughs> but uh, this is on an EP. So like I was it on the debut album, but it was it was um, it was a single actually. Okay, that's but, pretty um, good. But yeah, you uh, should check that out. Um, and uh, now I have to wait for him to come tour in the states. Where's he from? <laughs> he is from the UK. Ah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that will uh, do it for our program. And uh, th- you know, this is the 60th episode. Was it? Yeah, it's old. Old. <laughs> well, uh, tell the people where our old asses can be found. <laughs> uh, my back. <laughs> um, you can find us on by the time you hear this dot com. Um, episodes get posted. Other stuff gets posted. Check us out. Leave us a comment. You know, if you have a favorite Max Martin song, let us know. Um, if you have another interesting collaboration <laughs> for Max Martin um, outside of our Canadian connection, don't steal that one. I'm calling that the Canadian connection. That's going to be huge. Let us know. Um, We can also be found on Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, You can find our videos there that we, you know, that we do. I'm looking right now, telling you about us. I'm waving. You can find us and and watch those. Um, You can also find us on uh, Instagram at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. We are upstanding. And um, you can also find us, um, you can also email us at, by the time you hear this, um, spelled with the letter U, at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we can be found on Podomatic, Google Play, um, the Google Play app, um, which honestly, if you have it, don't go in there and, and look for podcasts. Just like search for, by the time you hear this. It's, yeah. Finding podcasts on there is weird. I used to not think they had them. So trust me, don't go to the Google the play store just go to the google music app and you can find it that way for some help out there for y'all um you can also find us on um apple podcast player the um itunes i always get it mixed up it's the same thing like people still call it itunes yeah but it's just <laughs> apple podcast but it, yeah yeah you can find us on that um you can also find us on satchel podcast player overcast tune in radio 
um, auto radio. Uh, I think that's all. Just say Castbox. Castbox, which is like an aggregate. So a lot of different ways to find us. So look us up. Yeah. And for those of you who have obviously been watching us on Facebook Live and finding our episodes that way, thanks. We, we truly do appreciate it. We appreciate it definitely. Yeah. Uh, how our our last episode is one of our most top five downloaded yeah. ever. <laughs> Maybe this Facebook Live has been a good idea. <laughs> Tune in to look at our ugly mugs. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for and thanks for spreading the word. If you're telling people, yeah. definitely. Um, all right. So, what should we end? this particular episode with uh let's see you know what um so i have a list of songs i should update it that blew me away the first time i heard them and it always has to be a song where i can remember exactly where i was and what i was doing when i first heard it teenage dream is one of those songs it is a max martin track and i still remember that i was sitting at um my ex's place i won't say her government on here because she might not want it said but um, sitting at her place on her couch and we were playing like I think we we're playing Pandora and this came on and I remember thinking like this song's amazing <laughs> like who you know and of course had to run to Wikipedia to find out who wrote it but I yeah I'll never forget hearing this song play thought it was amazing blew me away it's the best song um, I'd heard by Katy Perry to that point alright so we're gonna end it with Teenage Dream by Katy Perry um written co-written by uh uh a lot of people <laughs> uh did i say katie hudson <laughs> <laughs> um who what who was on this song uh dr luke um katie perry benny blanco benny blanco and bonnie mckee bonnie mckee never quite made it as a solo artist mm. she got her start writing a lot of katie perry stuff yeah, never quite made it though. All right, so we'll end the show with that. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.